All right, gang, welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. Here we are, episode number 43 on Wednesday, June 30th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle, and... And I'm Mike McKenna, your co-host, is celebrating the 46th anniversary of the defeat in Cambodia, June 30, 1975, for those of you keeping track of this kind of thing. Man, those things are getting further and further away. We are now further away from that than that was from the end of World War II by a considerable distance. Wow. You know, it's crazy. Don Rumsfeld. Uh, we, we actually, we had a, uh, we recorded late last week and we're kind of in midweek this week. And even though a uh, short time between breaks, once again, there's, there's probably more stuff to talk about than we have time for. Where should we begin today? What do you got that's burning, Mr. McKenna? We probably should either. Do you want to do you want to talk about elections or legislation? Let's do elections first. I think our folks enjoy that a little bit, a uh, little, little less dry, a little more, a little more suspenseful. In New York, there are two things in, uh, to know about the New York City mayor's race, right? Um, thing number one is Eric Adams is probably going to win, right? Um, Eric is the former police captain in the NYPD. Um, is a Democrat, but he has been a Republican, is a black dude, um, and ran unapologetically on the, you have to be kidding me, we actually need more cops, not fewer cops um, platform, right? What was interesting is he won the outer boroughs, he won um, the, you know, the part of the Bronx north of Manhattan, he won um, Queens, he won Eastern Brooklyn. Um, it was a very, uh, it was a very, geographical win, right? It was all the people who were concerned about crime in their neighborhoods. Uh, Maya Wiley, his, um, his AOC endorsed opponent, won in AOC's congressional district and not too many other places. Catherine Garcia, who's gonna show up second probably, um, won a good chunk of Manhattan. Andrew Yang, remember he was in the race too, won Chinatown, won Asian Queens, won the Asian parts of Brooklyn. It's bad news for the Democrats, right? National Democrats. Um, you know, Adams ran on what was essentially a Republican platform and won um, among primarily among voters of color. Now he was a is a, a black guy, so he's got some advantages that most Republicans won't have. But defunding the police, not being focused on public safety, um, all that progressive stuff. Again, the trend line is pretty clear that um, Hispanic and African American voters have limited tolerance for that progressive nonsense. So um, it was an interesting rant. The other thing is um, on a purely technical level, but one that makes everybody go, hmm, is 36 hours ago, New York Board of Elections posted up, they do rank, they did rank choice voting, posted up a, a set of numbers, which made it seem like it was very close, right? The two percentage points instead of the 10 it had been. The interesting thing is, is that there were 135,000 votes that had not been there that morning. Adams called it out right away. The Adams campaign called it out right away. Board of Elections comes back late last night and says, oh yeah, we made a mistake. We didn't take the test tabulations out. So we're gonna need to void that and go back and rerun it without the 135,000 test tabulations. I mentioned, yeah. I mentioned this only because it, um, among those who have reservations about the voting systems in this country, it doesn't make anybody feel any better. How about if I say it that no, way? No, and it also couldn't happen to a nicer uh, location if you consider the politics of it. Uh, thank you for bringing this up because this was on my one of a couple of things I wanted to bring up. 
uh, and you hit all the points I wanted to make as well. Uh, it was Maya Wiley also finished somewhat of a distant third, which is interesting because, uh, you know, you had this, this situation in Buffalo, which we talked about, which by the way, I have an update there. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, this to me is kind of the, what I, I, usually what happens is the Democrat, the progressive or the, you know, liberal Democrat in the old days screws up the city so bad that they rebound with a Republican, right? You had uh, Rudy, you had, uh, well, initially Bloomberg until he, you know, went, went crazy. Uh, and so this is kind of that version, right? Only he's a Democrat, but he's kind of not, right? Right. And again, what, what like you said, uh, Maya Wiley ran sort of a defund the police, you know, uh, you know, following the footsteps of de Blasio. But, you know, I'm guessing New Yorkers are sick of, uh, are, got used to not having the squeegee guys hanging around. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing about it, right? It, it um, you know, violence, violent crime is up in the city. And in all places in the city, um, and you know, you know, like always, the wealthy are insulated from that kind of thing. The working class are not. No accident that the Adams win was in working class Queens, working class Brooklyn, working class Bronx, right? Um, it 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 was an interesting electoral map. If you have a chance, I hope you know you should probably get it and look at it because it 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 tells you a lot about who lives where in New York and what they think about the world. Yeah, and uh, one oops, we accidentally counted 135,000 test ballots. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> and then, you know, how, how you the, the CNNs of the world, how are they going to cover this? Right? Because I, I, I really kind of gave up watching uh, that I can't get myself to even watch for research purposes for this amazing podcast. But you know they're gonna what are they gonna do, brush it off? Say, oh, no big deal. It just happens. It happens. So, yeah, I, this I was, is this this is the first time they did this uh, stuff that they do in my mayor race in Tacoma Park, where you rank your choice. The rank choice thing, yeah. Yeah. So the, the one man six vote thing. Yeah. 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 I don't understand why you can't rank the first person like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Why you can't rank your thing? Hey. You know, if they if if they don't win, you know, if they finish bottom, I want to be the second guy. It it's it's a Rube Goldberg device devised by economists and political science professors. And my prediction is, um, it's going to not be used here shortly, right? Because it's just it's too it's too incomprehensible to the average voter. There, yeah. you know, the real risk in New York is is that you wind up with Eric Adams winning a plurality of the number one votes and losing. And that would be a terrible answer, right? I think that would be very difficult to explain to the voters how their number one pick um, didn't become mayor. And it's just a matter of time of ranked choice voting till we get to something like that, right? So. Yeah, and honestly, like, you know, these runoffs in Georgia, Louisiana, the, you know, open ballots, what? Why are they trying to make this harder than it is? Yeah, there's, just it, go vote for your person. Well, here, here's what I mean. I don't know who I don't. I do not know with specificity who's behind this, but I know that all of these things are. They have not arisen organically. It's not like there was some kind of great demand among the public for compl for complex voting systems. 
this has been a a a you know a decades long process with fairly deep pockets and ostensibly the propaganda around it is is that it's going to minimize partisanship i would note without um, comment that it serves the interests of one party and i'll give you a hint which one it is it's not the republican party um yeah. it, it, so right away i'm anytime you wind up with things that you don't understand the funding and you don't understand their origin and they serve um, the, the Democratic Party. Right away, I think, of course, you know, we're looking at, you know, some deep pockets, foreign deep pockets, George Soros, you know, the open society crowd or domestic deep pockets, right? Larry Fink and, and his group of- Or, uh, or Zucky, Zucky did a lot of, you know. Larry Fink or Mark Zuckerberg or whoever, you know, the group of, the group of plutocrats that run the Democratic Party here in the States. Yeah. Am I allowed to say plutocrats? Is that okay? I think so. Well, the editor, uh, the producer will decide. <laughs> so Catherine Garcia came in second, former sanitation commissioner, endorsed by the New York Times. Boo-hoo, sorry. Uh, promised to raise the age of police recruitment to 25, which was, I guess, her nod uh, to, you know, the defunders. And to make New York City rely fully on renewable energy. Uh, so, you know, that didn't really, uh, I'm not sure why that didn't resonate. Uh, uh, and then, and then lastly, the, you know, Republicans, just, just for folks who are curious, the founder of the Gu Guardian Angels Vigilante Group is uh, the candidate uh, running as a Republican, a gentleman named Curtis Sliwa, I believe is how it's pronounced. That's right. Talk show, he's a talk show guy in New York now. So it looks like this will be the next mayor, huh? Yeah, I think so. And you know, the thing, the thing, um, the renewable energy thing is interesting with 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 Commissioner Garcia, right? What what um, and it's it's a national lesson that that I think people might want to think about. What the left has trouble completely apprehending, but what is elemental to their success is, people only care about second order issues like environment. Um, if the first order issues, um, the economy, safety, um, healthcare, right, education, if all the first tier issues are going well, then the second tier issues get traction. But yeah. if you're not delivering on the first tier issues, you don't get to talk about the second tier issues. And um, yeah. you think about Unless, of course, there's a global pandemic, in which case that kind of wipes everything else out. Well, you know, you think about, you, well, that's a first tier issue, right? Healthcare. You think about the Biden administration. If they don't deliver, you know, a healthy economy, um, they're not going to get to run off and, and you know, play Johnny Appleseed for the environmental movement. So it, it's, a, it's a national lesson. It's a great thing about elections, right? Even in New York City. They tell you something about how the voters think about the world. And right now the voters are thinking, I don't want to defund the police. I really don't. And you know, when the, you know, when that question got asked in the in the surveys, one of the one of the surveys that was done by I think the Post or maybe the Times um, during the campaign, question was, hey man, do you want more police or fewer police or the same amount of police in your in your neighborhood? It was like a 70-30 more. I want more police. So oh. You know, it, it, as soon as I saw that survey, I thought, yeah, this guy Adams is probably going to win. And the interesting thing about it is, you know, 
he carries a lot of baggage. I mean, guy doesn't even live in New York City. He lives over in Jersey. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. He was the only tough on crime guy running. That was it. Yep. Um, and again, back to my theory, New Yorkers like to, you know, vote for the, it's like that homeless uh, referendum in Austin uh, where voters were saying, well, I'm going to vote against it, but I hope it passes. <laughs> right. I mean, they vote for these guys and then they become, you know, they, they, they do what they say they're going to do. And the city is, you know, not better off for it. And they're like, they come to their senses and bring someone in to clean everything up only to screw it up again. So. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody, everybody learns at their own speed, Tom. Uh, another election in New York, the uh, uh, mayor, the incumbent Br Byron Brown is uh, either will or has serious seriously considering a write-in campaign for his reelection <laughs> against the Democratic nominee India Walton. So uh, that that saga is has not been final finally resolved at this point, but uh, it might be pretty tough for him to uh, to overcome. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm always I'm always excited when people won't take no for an answer. <laughs> I like it. Sometimes it works. Look at look at Lisa Murkowski. Um, who? <laughs> independent. I'm sorry, Republican. I mean, independent Senator Lisa Murkowski. The caucus is with the Republicans, I think. Yeah. Um, did she's you a, hear? Did you? Did she's you a huge fan, by the way, Tom. She's a huge fan. Of yes, she is. Remind our 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 list. She's probably our biggest supporter here at the Unregulated Podcast. Oh, probably about it. It's her or Hillary Sills. Those are the only two contestants. <laughs> um, did you hear Tom Perez? Yeah, is is running for governor. governor of Maryland. God help me. God gonna, help me, Mr. McKenna. Is he going to learn how to shave that little thingy uh, in his face? He he has this like silly video about how he's like Mr. Every Guy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> he omitted that whole section of his resume where he ran the DNC and rigged it for Hillary. So. Uh, it, I was gonna say Mr. Every Guy, assuming Mr. Every Guy has been a a a a swamp creature for basically his entire life. And he and any swampy swampy creature oh there aren't many that are swampier than tom perez that's I'm for sure that. i mean i i feel that. like i'm gonna have to get really involved in this next governor's race if i'm stick if i'm staying in the in, in the people's republic any for, for any extended period of time so it's his facial hair i can't stand i'm sorry <sighs> I mean, either grow a beard, either grow a good-looking beard or shave. But that that thing you got on your face has got to go, buddy. It has to go. I, I, I can't. I just, I hope Marylanders are smart enough to see through this. I don't know. They, you know, Virginia elected McAuliffe uh, once already. Uh, so maybe, maybe not. But uh, I'm not even sure if old Hogan's running again. Is he, is he term limited? How does it work in Maryland? I should know. I Term limited. I, I don't know. I know they want him to run for Senate against, uh, I don't know, whoever the hell's a senator from Maryland now. Paul Sarbanes? Or is he, did he, he died like, what, 20 years ago? Whoever yeah. the, whichever, whichever random Democrat is now the. No, I think it's Van, it's Holland, Van, isn't it? What's his name there? 
Barbara Mikulski. No, she's been gone for a while too, boss. Come on. <laughs> are, are you sure? They're so, they're so loud. It's Cardin and Van Hollen or something like that, right? Those are the. You my, say so. I, you know, it, it literally, who cares? I mean, when was the last time a senator from Maryland mattered? Yeah, well. I, I mean, no disrespect to the free state, but let's be honest. Come on. And by the way, uh, old, old Tom Perez was born in Buffalo too. So, and lives in Tacoma Park. So maybe we're like brother, you know, brothers from another mother. Who knows? You know, it, it, that would just about fit your luck this week, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> What'd you do? Uh, I found that Tom Perez was my, was my, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the bottom line is, is that I will be, actively working against tom perez if indeed uh he becomes the nominee because that guy is just bad news um trump was in ohio yeah doing some, doing some work yeah did you it, catch any of that yeah it, it 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 was how do i say this the right way it was low energy mm, interesting interesting yeah i mean it, you know it, it look uh, full disclosure: the guy who he's the guy who he was um, there for is a guy named Max Miller. Yes. Yeah, Max is among the more unpleasant people I've ever had the privilege to have known, which means he'll fit right in in Congress. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. See, the thing, the great thing about the unregulated podcast, folks, is there's no varnish here. We just say it like it is. What do you want me to say? I mean, it, it, it. You know, I. I, I can honestly say that, like I said, Max is one of the least pleasant people I know. He'll fit right in. Guy probably wanted to be a majority leader one day. <laughs> uh, there's another guy running uh, as a Trumper uh, who we know as well, uh, Mike Carey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ohio, too, right? It, it, um, well, in the state right. faculty, state faculty? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. And right now, he's got a, a pretty big lead, apparently. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's like seven guys running and he's got like 20%, right? Yeah, that's right. That sounds about right. Um, uh, you know, it. Um, well, no, he's got a, right now, it's, uh, let me read yet. The original ballot test gave Kerry a 20 to nine lead over Laurie, who is, yeah, right has the backing of Stivers. Yeah, and, and, and Mike's got the backing of the president, right? Yes. Yeah, it, it you know, those, those congressional, those primary stuff, they're always touchy because you never know who's going to show up on game day. Right. But, you know, both of these will be, both of these um, districts will be, at, as you mentioned uh, in the past, test, test ground for Trump's, you know, Trump's ability to, to deliver a result. Um, I know he's got somebody too that he's prime, uh, that he endorsed uh, over uh, one of the folks who voted against him. Uh, and, the, and I'm, it's John Katko up in New York. He, he he endorsed somebody against John Katko. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we're gonna for for the benefit of our listeners, we're gonna keep all these tallied up for you and, and give you a little you know result uh, after yeah. these primaries just to see we're, we're, what the Trump scorecard is gonna end up uh, looking like. I, I doubt we're gonna do that. We'll probably do a you know marginal version of that. Um, <laughs> for for us, that's a great effort. So. <laughs> Interesting thing. The interesting endorsement is the Herschel Walker thing in Georgia, right? Um, you know, for, for Senate against against Raphael Warnock. The um, 
that's either genius or disaster. I can't figure out which. You know, Herschel Walker has, uh, for the last, you know, some, for, for some chunk of the last um, 10 years, been uh, suicidal, right? And he, excel he himself acknowledges playing Russian roulette with actual live bullets in front of guests in his house. Um, if he can figure out a way to explain that and then stay on message, he's unbeatable in Georgia, right? He'll, he'll win with 70% of the vote. But it's just as likely that he'll crash and burn, that he won't be able to explain it, and that he won't stay on message. Um, you know, it, it, it's a high-risk, high-reward operation for the president because he's now completely linked to Herschel Walker. Um, and I'm not sure that I'd ever want to be linked to a guy like Herschel Walker. But there well, I mean, you know that they were, he was on his show, right? He won one season or whatever, and they became real, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The result of that. So, yeah, hey, Tom. And, you know, we had Amarosa. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, he's certainly not Amarosa, and I'm not going to get into any specifics there, but uh, I, I, you know, good luck. Um, uh, I don't know if that weighed into Matt Collins's decision not to run. Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody took a pass. Everyone, everyone has waited. Everyone in Georgia has waited to see what Herschel Walker is going to do, because he, you know, they he, he will clear the Republican field, but the chances of him, um, I don't want to say going boom or exploding, the chances of him not winning a general election are pretty high, because he's 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 never run. He's obviously personally erratic and, you know, it, it, it requires, it's going to be a very watched and high profile race. He's going to have multiple opportunities uh, to throw up on his shoes on camera. And, you know, it, it, my experience is these high pressure, high profile races are bad places for people to figure out what it's like to run the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely going to be an issue for sure. So. I mean, you, you know, I, I tell you what, I give you the alternative explanation. This is a guy who, from the time he was 16 years old, has had a lot of attention, right? He's used to people asking him a bunch of questions. He's used to being on camera. Um, you know, it's as close. The, the experience of running a campaign, you know, being, a, being a, an extremely high-level um, athletic competitor in the Southeastern Conference and in the NFL and USFL, yeah close to running as you can get right so it's you know it's yeah and i and if there, i wish there was he wasn't quite as um colorful no 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 uh I, I wish he was a little more recent but you know for folks like me uh in my demographic <laughs> which has become the old guy demographic i mean the guy was like amazing right you know just could do no wrong in the on the football field so uh and well you know uh as you say we've seen a lot of him so yeah. so uh, eric so eric adams the guy in new york said something that was interesting right um and the, and the great thing about being a, first off the nypd is the best police force in the united states and probably in the hemisphere yeah give a shout out to my buddy um who was on the police force and retired uh mr ed sloan so yeah and you know and i've had relatives on the, on the nypd um to make captain in the MPD, you have to you have to be a smart guy. And Eric Adams said something that during the campaign that I thought was genius, right at the tail end of the campaign. He said, "Look, he said, people on social media don't determine who wins these elections. People on social security determines who win these elections." And I was like, 
that's great insight from a guy, right? From 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 a from a from a candidate, right? He, it he, is. You know, it it's, is. It's the voters from fifty to eighty, age fifty to eighty, who who show up all the time, vote, boom, boom, boom. So you know. also a good reminder for us too, because I tend to I tend to wander to I tend to wander a lot on Twitter. So what 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 I've I've been known to <laughs> go down a rabbit hole or two and on on that mostly vile and 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 hardly uh, uh, beneficial uh, social site. So um, what else have we got on the election front? Um, I think that's about it. Um, you know, just uh, waiting patiently for everybody to announce they're going to run for whatever they're going to run for. But the rest of it is, you know, we, we don't have any more elections for a little while. So um, I'm looking at a screenshot of a Fox News hit. Um, murder rates, homicides in, 20, uh, uh, in 2021 uh, compared to 2020 year to date. Portland, 800%. Minneapolis, 56%. Philadelphia, 40. Washington, 35. LA, 27. New York City, 22. And Chicago, 22 uh, as well. Source National Fraternal Order of Police. Who's to blame for that? Well, if you listen to Circle Back. Something one of the advisors said this weekend, Senator Richmond, he said, Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill, could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat and communities across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. But at the time that was sold as uh, these local police departments might have a pandemic related budget shortfall, not we need to keep cops on the beat because there's a crime wave. Uh, I think that any local uh, department would argue that keeping cops on the beat to keep communities safe when they had to, because of budget shortfalls, fire police is, is something that helps them address yeah. crime in their local communities. In local communities, the White House's argument was the American Rescue Plan is going to be $1,400 checks. It's going to be vaccines, vaccinators. Uh, it's going to put us on the path to beating the virus, not... It did those things as well. It was a pretty good bill and piece of legislation. Thank you to our friends at uh, the Media Research Center for pulling that little doozy. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about that is, is that Cedric Richmond led, you know, led this thing, this idea that Republicans are defunding the police um, immediately after the results in New York City became clear, right? Immediately after um, it was obvious that this whole thing was toxic, they immediately started in on this. It is a, um, it, it's a lie. I mean, I don't know how to say it any nicer than that. And Cedric Richmond knows it's a lie. And, and the press secretary knows it's a lie. And the thing what's, what makes it more difficult for them is, um, you know, the Democrats have, have a, a, leaving aside the crime bill of 1994, the Democrats have a now almost 60, yeah, about 60, 65 year history of being soft on crime. You know, you're talking about two and a half generations, um, and the idea that they're going to try to um, try to now sell—they're the ones who are tough on crime—is 
ridiculous, it's not going to work, it's going to fail, right? So it's it's one thing to, to, to lie about some, it's another to lie in a, in a failing effort. It, but they, 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 it is an admission on their part that they know this thing's toxic now. So I, I thought it was great. I thought it was pretty interesting. Cedric Richardson, smart guy. Um, I don't know if it was his idea to do this or not. Um, but the other thing is, I mean, the immediate history is not even good for him, right? Because they're just going to go around democratic cities. I'm like, dude. Yeah, I just read the rates. Right. <laughs> Last Literally. I checked, none of those cities were run by conservative Republicans. And, and, and this time last year, we were literally watching these cities get looted. And, you know, the, the Democratic mayors of them were like, yeah, what are you going to do? Kids will be kids. You know, it, it, it's, um, it, it's this kind of thing that makes people hate politics, right? When, you know, it's, 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 it's bad enough to lie to people, but to lie to people about something they know to be a lie, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. But this is, the, this is what they, you know, this is what they, they've got a whole wing of their party who have like been brazenly open about defunding the police. Even Biden during the damn primary got sucked in, right? Mm-hmm. And now they're like, oh yeah, the Republicans, because the Republicans didn't support Biden's billion dollar boondoggle. It's their fault. <laughs> no one's going to buy this. Nobody. Yeah. Especially I- with President Trump out there beating the drum on this thing. So. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I heard it when 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 Congressman Richmond said it. I just started laughing. I'm like, okay, I know that's about New York. I know it's in response to New York, and I'm I'm sure he thinks this is super clever. But like, literally, even the press, you can tell, even the press is like, yeah, I'm not really gonna follow down that line here because it's just completely and utterly indefensible. And the other thing that's interesting is that's not getting any press is that the police reform bill, the federal police reform bill, which has been under negotiation for a while now, is clogged up on qualified immunity. Democrats want to remove it from local police forces to the extent they can and incentivize its removal at the state and local level. Republicans want to keep the qualified immunity in place. Needless to say, every cop in the world is is on the side of keeping qualified immunity. So, you know, if I was a reporter, I'd, I'd ask, you know, Rocky Saki about that. I'd be like, hey, man, how can you guys say this kind of stuff when you're actively, your side's actively trying to undermine qualified immunity? So it, it's not only a lie, it's not only inaccurate, it, it's contrary to even what the hell's going on in real time across the street. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's, again, I'm going to say this one more time. I feel bad about this. It's kind of, it's getting to be a French laundry thing for me. When these guys came, when this administration came in, I had nothing but respect for their skills and ability. Um, um, I'm, I'm starting to doubt that. I'm starting to wonder if they're really as smart as I think they are. Yeah. Um, and also they're just, I mean, they're f- really just fumbling around, right? I mean, yeah. were it not for these bipartisan at all cost republicans there'd be no conversation at all about infrastructure which i don't think there's been much since our last episode on that in terms of of a change there but really they're they've gotten they got their big COVID deal and they're all salivating over the second reconciliation but you know these these trend lines aren't so good for for especially for the progressive agenda which is good for the country that it isn't uh, it isn't going going so well for them. 
So it, 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 you know, it's, um, if they're lucky, you know, there's probably a 50% chance that they're going to get this bipartisan infrastructure thing done and they'll get a smaller reconciliation thing done. Like when I say small, I mean like 800 billion, right? Like, so total in will be 2 trillion instead of the 6 trillion they wanted. It's still, you know, probably a 1.3 trillion more than it should be, but the damage has been minimized. But there's a 50% is 45% chance that they get nothing. They don't get the infrastructure deal. They don't get a reconciliation. The thing that's interesting is, you know, if, are we switching topics? Can we switch topics for a second? And, and go we to can the, do whatever we want. This is America. America. See, you're starting to sound like me now. I like <laughs> it. It, uh, the budget committee chairman in the house, guy named John Yarmus from Kentucky, right? Unremarkable, typical Democrat. Um, said yesterday that the House was going to wait for the Senate to um, pass their budget resolution to see, you know, in his words, see what, see what the Senate can produce. And I thought that's the most remarkable thing I've heard all week, right? That a, you know, a budget chairman is going to be like, yeah, we're going to wait for Bernie Sanders and Lindsey Graham to see what they can come up with. It was a tacit acknowledgement that the Senate Democrats do not have 50 votes for their budget resolution, which is something I, you and I have been saying for the last couple of weeks that if they had the votes, they would be voting, but they don't have the votes, so they're talking. Um, I think there's, like I said, I think there's a four in 10 chance they get nothing. Well, and the more, I mean, the more that these primaries and these elections, you know, reveal where the voters feel about this stuff, the, the shakier it's going to get. Uh, so time is indeed not on their side. Here we are, uh, you know, in heading into the dog days of summer. So yeah, and there's, there's rumors that they're going to keep everybody in the, the um, second week of August, right? Um, I don't know why. I don't think it's going to help them get those votes. But it's there. So we'll see. You know, and, and keep Keep in mind, we still have a debt ceiling to do, and debt ceiling can't be done in reconciliation. You know, it's, and and that's going to come due September, October, right around the time they're trying to finish up reconciliation. This, this thing has the flavor of we are heading towards a CR, which with maybe some extra money and a debt ceiling, and that's it. And if it, you know, I'm I'm counting on Senator McConnell to figure out that if you link the debt ceiling to this reconciliation stuff, you can blow the whole operation up. Well, I was just going to say, if Senator McConnell popped his head up recently for really the first time in a while and, and reminded his colleagues that, uh, you know, he's in charge, first of all, (laughs) and secondly, that, uh, you know, kind of reoriented them a little bit on this whole reconciliation thing. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the, um, Yes, it was it was um, very salutary that he did that, right? He's like, hey, man, I'm not telling you what to do, but I wouldn't of this. The other interesting thing, right, the Yarmouth thing, the McConnell thing was interesting. The other interesting thing, we're now about a week away from, um, from uh, what you call it, from, um, um, from the president throwing up on his shoes on the infrastructure thing last Thursday, right? Yeah. And you know what you haven't heard? You know, the dog that didn't bark, what you haven't heard is there have literally been no Republicans um, saying that they were prepared to vote for the infrastructure deal, right? 
you have three of them, Portman, Cassidy, Romney, who said that they're still open to continuing the process, but you literally have had nobody step forward and say, I think this is a good idea. I want to try it. Um, yeah. Well, they, the, those three you mentioned, you know, tried to save a little face or whatever, give the president a little wiggle room, which, you know, uh, I don't think was, was, was deserved, but uh, you know, that's who they are. So um, <laughs> like, oh, I'll take Joe, Joe. Yeah. I'll take Joe's second, uh, second attempt to clean this up uh, at, at, at his, at his word. I was going to say, I like this other answer. He's given, he's given us four different answers. I'm going to pick answer number three. Um, <laughs> it, 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 um, right. It's no accident. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say what, what caucus those three guys are in. Right. But it, let's put it this way. It ain't the Mensa caucus. Um, oh, it also ain't, ain't the problem solvers caucus. Yeah, my favorite. Problem caucus. creators caucus. So, but, but the fact that no, no other Republican has stepped forward and said a word um, tells you they're all sitting there at home, they're hearing from their constituents, and my guess is what they're hearing is, you would have to be a moron to be in favor of something that involves them basically jamming you on reconciliation, right? And that, I mean, that's, that's, how, that's, how the, that's how the president wants to do it. Hey, I wanna sign this bipartisan deal, and then I wanna jam you on reconciliation. Oh, and then by the way, I'm going to expect you to sit still and vote for a debt ceiling increase. That's just not how the world's going to work. That's not how the world's going to work. So anyway, I think there's you know probably about an even Steven chance of them getting some and them getting nothing. And at this point, that's remarkable. I mean, we're 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 um, yeah. Let's not jinx it though. Let's just let's just keep giving our updates and not get too excited. So. Five and a half months into this administration, you know what we don't have. We don't have appropriations. We don't have uh, we don't have appropriations bills. We don't have a budget. We don't have um, HR one. We don't have DC statehood. We don't have court packing. We don't have a debt ceiling increase. We don't have an infrastructure plan. We don't have a family's plan. And when I say we don't have, I mean, we don't have actually things written, let alone agreements on that. We don't yes, have. We don't have a national energy mandate, which uh, Gina try to throw back into the conversation, Gina McCarthy, that is, try to throw back into the conversation this week saying, yeah, maybe we can put that on reconciliation after all, which to me is a sign that they know they can't get it on reconciliation after all, yeah. because they're throwing it out there as fodder for the progressives so that they can say, well, we tried, so. Correct, we don't, you know, we don't have an NDAA, right? The National Defense Authorization Act for, for 2022. Um, there's just a hell of a lot of stuff we don't have. And um, and what the Biden administration wants us to believe is, is that in the next five months, all that's gonna come together. And um, I'm just, I'm not saying it can't happen that way, but every day that wears on, that gets to be a, 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 least, a less likely answer. Yeah. So, good luck, everybody. <clears throat> so in the... Um segment known as existential threat to <laughs> you know somebody said that to me this morning and i started laughing i mean she, she got the word existential threat out and i just started laughing and i don't think i was supposed to laugh but i just laugh. she doesn't know the con context i guess um <laughs> all right so I, I normally give i normally give zach coleman a break yeah, man. Uh, I think he's a good dude, but I don't, I'm not giving him a break for this one. 
you wrote this piece about the uh, McCarthy and 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 um, our buddy, uh, the good the good congressman from Louisiana, and uh, the good congresswoman from Washington State, uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers, and and a couple others from Oregon, Cliff Bentz and Dan Newhouse. They all form this climate change messaging caucus for the Republican Party. Yeah. Big, big launch conservative climate caucus. And, you know, Garrett's going to be, sorry, Congressman Graves, the honorable, is going to be uh, in in charge of coming up with the Republican plan for when they take over the the House on climate change. I guess they got a, a bunch of these running. They're trying to, it's McCarthy's version of the contract, I guess. I don't know. It's task forces, Tom. They put together task forces. <laughs> a climate, Congressman Graves is in charge of the task force on climate change. Yes, sorry, the task force. Okay. So the task force, apparently uh, Zach felt the need to ask the three Republicans from uh, the Northwest where they have a bit of a heat wave, what their... Um, well, let me just read it. Uh, a week ago, three lawmakers from the Northwest joined dozens of their Republican colleagues in creating the new conservative climate caucus to show that they were serious about addressing the growing threats to the planet. Then they went silent as a devastating heat wave hit the region. The trio have been largely indivisible as the heat wave shattered temperature records and caused blackouts, all the symptoms, oh, here we go, ready? All the symptoms of a warming climate that scientists say will only become more common in the future. Uh, and then our buddy, <laughs> well, let me see if you can guess who this is first. Conservatives are learning to think differently about climate change, but they don't know yet what to think. Was that Zach who said that? Was that a quote? No, no, that was a quote from somebody. Oh, it was a quote from either Rich Powell or Alex Flint. Ding, 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 Alex Flint. Alex Flint, ladies and gentlemen. Yay, America's favorite game show host. Despite this new approach, many conservatives are not yet comfortable with the scale of the policy needed to address climate change, he said. Okay, so this isn't really about me, you know, dumping on Alex, although that's not hard to do. This is more about how um, Zach's marketing this article. These guys, how do they get away with just as a matter of fact, if it's hotter in, in the Northeast this week, therefore it's climate change. Climate. Don't worry about it. When it's cold in Canada, it's not going to be climate change then. You know, it, that's it, exactly my point. They get, they get away with it because their editors don't edit them. And, and yeah, Zach writes for Politico now, right? Yes. Yeah. So Politico is like, you know, um, I don't know how to say this nicely. You know, Politico used to be a pretty, a pretty reliably competent operation now, but you look at their beat writers, especially their environmental beat writers, they're all true believers. Um, so I'm assuming the editor is a true believer too, because he or she lets them write whatever they want. And, you know, easy to complain, but they're not going to change that, right? Because this is what they think. This is their editorial call. It's why no rational person subscribes to Politico and gives them any money. You give Politico money? No, we do not. No, nor should you, right? Um, no, you not. You know, it, 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 the great thing is, is that think about it from, from Zach's point of view. He'd like Alex to be successful. And, you know, 
tax, carbon, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, Zach spends a good chunk of his life wondering why nobody agrees with him. Well, or wondering why, you know, the, if the Republicans aren't for, you know, the Biden plan, then they must not be, you know, concerned at all about it, right? So, because if you don't support a good government policy that redirects the economy uh, and and has has it being run out of uh, the EPA, then you're obviously not you don't you obviously don't care. I talked to a reporter at a major outlet who, which shall remain nameless, except to say it's the paper of record in the United States. Um, recently and explained to her what was likely to happen as far as the legislative stuff going on. And she was alternatively displeased and nonplussed and disbelieving, right? Because um, how could that be? Everyone agrees and we're all, we've all worked so hard for so many years and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, no, totally, you're right, absolutely. But here's the math and here's the likelihood and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and it struck me, you know, after I thought about that conversation for a while that, that, um, what makes the other side of this conversation is what makes them them is that they uh, refuse to accept that anybody could think anything differently. Yeah. That, you know, that's the, that's the core of your editorial problem, right? Yes. And the, and the, just, just just one more example from the article that you, they, they picked at McMorris Rogers spokesperson. And the, the response was that she believes that in order to address the uh, climate change risks, America must yada yada, embrace and unleash, yada, so on and so forth, including hydro, nuke, and natural gas, right? And then here's the line. But climate experts say those measures on their own won't stop the planet from warming above thresholds that will lead to catastrophic changes, including devastating storms, droughts, and worsening heat waves, like the one that's driving up temperatures in Seattle, to, to levels 35 degrees over the normal June highs and not the highest temperature ever recorded in Canada. Yeah. Okay, there's not, there's no, there's nothing after that, except for a quote, another quote from Alex, who last I checked wasn't a climate expert. But anyway, um, I, I just normally I let these go, but um, well, I don't know, Zach used a lot of editorial in his, well, in his Twitter feed too. Like this is a political climate story, right? The, these are political reporters who are reporting about an issue, right? It's, of course. it's look, these guys, look, these guys, they don't have editors, right, in any meaningful sense. They don't have any um, culture of, of facially neutral reporting, right? So they don't engage in any of that stuff. The, the interesting thing about the story, I mean, apart, I know you're annoyed about Zach. I, I'm just annoyed about the, more, maybe more the editors. I'm so. actually more, two things. I'm more entertained about Alex because, um, you know, he's been pitching this silly idea that no one's been buying for, what, five years now? Coming on five years. I don't think my board would be happy with my progress if that was my mission. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't understand how how you can not just fail, but just not even make any progress for five years and still be working at it. But anyway, um, the other thing I think is interesting is, right, Congresswoman McMorris-Rogers, right, is, and her staff, are learning an important lesson here, and that's this. The talking points uh, that they have been given on these issues, most especially from, from our friends at a particular organization um, that have you know, spread their, spread their, their um, 
their philosophy far and wide through the Republican House, Republican conference, especially, you know, the clear path guys, they're useless. You know, they don't protect, they, 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 neither, they neither explain what you think, nor do they protect you in a circumstance like this. Yeah. And, and anything that sort of makes that point, I'm generally speaking in favor of, because trust me, CMR's press person is now sitting there today and go, that didn't help us at all. All we know <laughs> right, right. We got drilled. We might as well have just said, you know what? We're in favor of affordable and reliable energy. And we don't think any of this stuff is, you know, warrants making it more expensive. Boom, period, end of story. If anything, this stuff's an argument for better air conditioning um, yeah. or more gas-fired power plants or whatever, because you're going to get drilled anyway. You might as well say what you actually think. And they, nobody's gotten that yet, right? They don't, they don't, nobody's embedded that in their thought process. Like, dude, this stuff you're saying isn't going to save you at all when guys like Zach Coleman call, call you up. You might as well just give them the real deal. Yeah, so I, I'll put one of his tweets in the show notes, but uh, it, you know, at least three or four tweets, you know, three Northwest Republicans joined the new conservative climate caucus last week. So I thought they'd have something to say about the role of climate change in the deadly heat wave hitting their district. Spoiler, they didn't. New from me, Pacific Northwest is baking under record heat, worsened by climate change. The region's three members aren't addressing that connection. All three joined the new climate caucus last week, right? And then, you know, all the, the retweets from, from his cohort saying, oh, wonderful story, wonderful story. Great story about Black Yeah. Anyway, um, one, uh, two, two comments uh, uh, about the heat in the, in the Northwest. Get over it. It's, I've been dealing with it for three weeks. I'm, I'm acclimated. <laughs> um, apparently, Jay Inslee said that this is nothing. Uh, be prepared for 130 to uh, you know, 140 degrees in the, in the future because of climate change. Literally said that. Yeah, I mean, at our, at our current, like, depending on when, you, on, when, on when you believe and what you believe, um, let's just assume you believe like the, 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 um, the middle case scenario of the IPCC, right? Um, that it's gonna go up, I forget what it is, like a degree and a half every 50 years or so you'll get to temperatures of 130 degrees in about 700 years. <laughs> yeah, so, it'll be, it'll be what, what term will that be for, for the governor? Yeah, yeah. Even, even Jay, even Governor Inslee, I, I gotta stop calling him Jay, even Governor Inslee is not gonna survive that. By the way, didn't they get a, whatever happened was carbon tax. I thought that was supposed to solve the whole problem. I know, if he had gotten it, what, the fourth time he tried, it would have been a couple years in by now. So keep talking, Jay. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last last on this. Yeah. From Secretary Jenny. Ready? Sure, man. <laughs> hit, hit me with Secretary Jenny here on our favorite broadcast, CNN. In terms of in terms of climate, you brought up what's happening, what we're seeing in the Pacific Northwest. Um, we've been talking a lot about what happened in Florida at the Surfside condominium building that collapsed. We don't know exactly what happened at this point, but given what we know about the changing climate, given that we've seen an increase in these so-called extraordinary tides and the impact that that can have in areas like South Florida, do you think that climate could have played a role in that building's collapse? Well, obviously we don't know fully, but we do know that, that the seas are rising. I mean, we know that we're losing inches and inches of beaches, not just in Florida, but all around. Um, you know, Lake Michigan, where I'm from, they, you know, we've seen the loss of beaches because the, the waters are rising. So 
you know, this is a phenomenon that will continue, whether it, we'll have to wait to see what the analysis is for this building, but the issue about resiliency and making sure we adapt to this changing climate, that's going to mean levees need to be built. That means seawalls need to be built. That means infrastructure needs to be built. We need to make sure that we invest enough in clearing out the forests so we don't have these weather events. We need to invest in hardening our transmission lines, maybe burying wires so that we can protect areas that are like tinderbox dry. There's so much investment that we need to do to protect ourselves from climate change, but also to address it and mitigate it. And hopefully these infrastructure bills when taken together will make a huge step and allow America to lead again. Secretary Granholm, good to have you with us this morning. Thanks so much. Thank you. She, she's getting better. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's two- She's there's getting two. better at, at what? Well, she's getting better at giving, you know, senatorial type answers that don't yeah. do anything. I, two things, right? Um, I loved, I loved, you know, just as a student of the language, I love, we don't, you know, fully know what happened and we don't exactly know what happened. What you mean is you don't know at all what happened in surf. We know nothing about it. We literally know nothing about it. But do you, you guys- the South, Do you remember South Park, the movie? I didn't see it. There was a whole song about Blame Canada. Yeah, the song I'm familiar with. because my Blame Canada, Blame Canada. I mean, now this, now this collapse of this building is because of climate change. We should play Blame Canada every time we, we, you, we feature Secretary Granholm. <laughs> um, okay, the other thing you notice, she did, she, did, she did a good job linking the two bills together. Yeah. When I, we get when we couple these two bills, she I think she said the word couple. So I, look, I have to be honest, she was making perfect sense about, about forest management. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we clear out the forest. Yeah. We'd love to do that stuff. You gotta tell your utilities in California to do it. You're talking to the wrong guys. Also, I'm pretty confident that um the waters of Lake Michigan are not rising. I'm sorry. You know, our friend, I'll put Jason's uh, tweet. Jason, I found this from Jason Hayes, uh, our friend and one of our guests early on. Uh, he he just, on, you know, he unloaded on her basically like this is a, a embarrassing <laughs> for Michigan because uh, she knows full well that the, you know, lakes fluctuate. Well, right? I mean, are you trying to tell me that the glaciers in Lake Michigan aren't melting? <laughs> I mean, it's the same. <laughs> it, 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 like I said, she's getting better. You know, uh, six months, six months ago, four or five months ago, this thing, you know, those answers were ridiculous. Now they're only like marginally ridiculous. Um, in six months, she's going to be like a regular old Secretary of Energy who says nothing interesting and nothing substantial. Well, and nothing remotely accurate. I there wasn't a whole lot in there that you could say was was spot on, except maybe the forest thing. But I'm not even sure from the way she said it, she realized it, right? Because now she's gonna now she's responsible for plowing trees and building pipelines. Like she's gonna get in trouble for that one. I was gonna say she's gonna like I said she's starting to talk like a Secretary of Energy. Like hey, we need. To <laughs> deal with it. It you know you if you put that up against some stuff that Rick Perry said, it's not the same level of quality. It's yeah. fair. It's fair. Um all right, unless you've got something uh I got a I got a lightning Biden round. Okay. 
I got I got one thing before I I got two things at the end, right? But but go ahead. Give me the lightning. But give me the lightning round. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure which one I should do first. They're all like breathtakingly awkward. So let me start with the police chief one. Hold on. Police chief Murray of the Baltimore. Uh, uh, excuse me. Police chief Murray. Police chief Murphy <laughs> of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> How did you? <laughs> how did you do? How could you do that so badly? Like, like all cities, names, the whole gamut. You started Baltimore and wind up at Bad Rouge. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh man. Okay. Here's another one. This is at a an event with his his transportation secretary, and said secretary's significant other husband. Um, uh, here it is. I want to thank Secretary. Well, first of all, I want to say to Chaston, belated happy birthday, Chaston. Uh, okay. Did you say the guy's name? He couldn't say the guy's name, Michael. Secretary, whatever the hell your name might be. Did you hear he started? But uh, he looked yeah. at it and went like, "No, I'm not going to be able to do this." I like your, I like your, I like your, 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 your guy over there. Happy birthday, whatever. <laughs> it's like, I'm skipping that. Okay. And then there's one more. Um, and this one is just a little bit on the creepy side. So, and these are uh, all clips from a, from a podcast that I love. Uh, hold on. Employers can't find workers. I said, yeah, pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. What's happening? I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week for childcare. The bill on the environment. Why would I not be for it? I take it from your silence that you were equally <laughs> freaked out as I was. Yeah, that whispering thing, I, I saw it and I was like, in re I saw it in real time. And, and forget whether I was weirded out by it. The press corps was weirded out by it. They're all sitting there going, what the hell? And a couple of them hit me afterwards. and like, hey, what'd you make of that? I'm like, I have no earthly idea. I said, but I tell you right now, you're going you're gonna to see more of it because he obviously thinks it's cool. And sure enough, he did it like yesterday in Wisconsin. And I'm like, let me let you in on a little secret. Oh, my God. It, it. Just between you and me. It's like when my grandpa, God rest his soul, used to whisper, don't tell your mother and hand me a 50 cent piece. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, I, 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 I don't even know what to say. I mean, I really don't. I, I'm, I'm hoping he's okay. I continue yeah. to hope he's okay. Although, truthfully, um, you know, the whispering thing in Wisconsin yesterday was about the child child tax credit and okay this is an this is an important thing to know about it right child tax credit is a what they call a fully refundable what that means is they pay you whether you pay taxes or not it's not really a tax credit it's just a direct payment from the government right yeah he characterized it as a tax break yesterday during the whispering thing yesterday and um and i thought to myself is that because he doesn't understand what it is or is it because he's forgotten what it is or it's because what? I thought to myself, you know, did, 
this is the this this child tax credit. This is the core of his thing for the American families. Then um, they're basically paying you to have kids. It, it the fact that he didn't know it and he whispered it like, "Hey, this is the part I want to emphasize." I'm like, "Part you, you want to emphasize is the thing you don't know." It seemed weird. The whole thing's weird. The whole, this administration's just getting to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you know he does realize that states that are not giving people free money anymore are get their their unemployment numbers are coming back no there's no way he realizes that besides and it's not uh not a bargaining chip for a corporation they're not going to pay any more than they think they're willing and able to pay of course, they're just going to wait it out till September. Yes, it, yes. So it, it's interesting how, uh, how these guys think about these look, things. Look, uh, you know, there, there are what now? There are 36 state, states in the union now. I mean, you know, he, he probably figures, hey, of the 36 states in the union, you know, 22 of them did not take any unemployment insurance. I mean, you know, for all I know, somebody should ask him, how many states are there in the union? Just check them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember there used to be 48. Now there's... Yeah. 57 ah. or 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 police chief mary of the baltimore uh, uh <laughs> excuse me police chief mary police chief murphy murphy uh, of baton rouge louisiana <laughs> Woo! <laughs> i'm thinking 50 48 36 how many <laughs> anyway it's like i said this whole administration is getting weird with a capital w Bumbling Biden. So, uh, okay, so we talked last week at length about uh, our, the, the New York Yankees. Uh, it got worse this week. We don't need to belabor the fact that they were swept by their rivals from Boston and, and they finally beat the Los Angeles Angels, I believe, one game so far. It, it, it's getting to the point where it's, the season might be, they, they could be in the trade market at this point. Season's over. Yeah, I think we're I think we're at that point. Uh, yeah, they're they're now like six or so back in the wild card. Yeah, I mean uh, they're they're chasing now to get to fight to claw for a playoff spot, and ain't uh-huh. and it ain't getting any better. No, see, see, season's over. I mean, you know, Boston, Boston has one of those. You know, Boston has one of the wild cards. Oakland or Houston has the other one. Yeah, and and the, the third team in, if there is going to be a third team in, it'd be in, it'd be the Cleveland Indians, right? We're we're done, and and you know, I'll say this again, right? The architect of this team has built himself a, a, a terrible structure. He should be he should be probably should be incarcerated for a number of years in in a penitentiary somewhere. But the best we're going to be able to do is probably fire him. So um, I, I'm not going to if they don't fire him, I'm never going to at the end of this year or in the middle of this year i'm literally never spending another dime on yankee anything tickets or anything move or, you know show anything yeah i'm getting to the, quickly getting to the point where uh all of my t-shirts and everything else workout shirts and stuff i'm starting to wonder if i should even put them on yeah so. it's, it's bad it's bad and I, you know it's it's not getting any better it's getting worse we're gonna wind up losing this series to the angels I mean, I thought, you know, okay, we're going to steam into the all-star break with 46 wins. I'm betting we steam into the all-star break with 42 wins or 43 wins, and that'll, you know, we'll be done. I mean, by the by the break, we're going to be eight games out of the wild card with 70 left to play, you know. 
I, I nobody recovers from that kind of thing. I don't think. Yeah. Which is too bad because Sanchez has finally started to hit. Yep, I know. He was the American League Offensive Player of the Week last week. Yeah, which is, I think, if it's not the first, it's the first in a very you, long time. You would want a hell of a lot of money at Las Vegas putting 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 that number down at the beginning of the season that Sanchez would win Offensive Player of the Week once. Yeah, you know, not not too many not too many lifetime two fifteen hitters get that. Anyway, I got two things left. Which do you want? What do you got left? I'm done. I got two things. One, um, there was a little-known study came out uh, top of last week uh, done by two researchers from RAND and two researchers from the University of Southern California School of Health, the Keck School of Health, I believe. Um, right. Um, they took a look at the lockdowns, and they found them to be not only not efficacious, but actually damaging um, in all kinds of different respects. Somebody wrote a column in the Washington Times that's going to show up tomorrow on it. Um, I encourage everybody to no, Thursday. I encourage everybody to read it. It's a it's a um, it's a quick read, but it's an important study, and I haven't seen anybody else cover it. Um, send me the link. Send me the link, and I'll include it in the show notes because it'll, it'll take a little bit for this to be edited anyway. Yeah, and you know me, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a COVID warrior, but this this particular study is the first in what's going to be a number of studies taking a look at the public health community's response to this thing. And I think finding it pretty wanting. Uh, also, I think that, um, uh, you know, there is a lot of people in my world who uh, have been largely dismissive of the, you know, conversations about this that, that are, go contrary to what, you know, the prevailing sort of sentiment is uh, on, on the, the, let's just say the, the science. Um, I'm not going to do an I told you so thing. I, I think it's a, t it's a, it's terrible that people have suffered. Uh, I, I will say this until I'm blue in the face in the beginning of this, we didn't really know much. And so taking like incredible precaution was probably wise but man, uh, you know, uh, our, as our friend Phil uh, said in our last interview with him, when this is all done, you're going to look across the globe and see that nothing anybody did made a lick of difference one way or the other. Yeah. And, and you know, and, I, and I'm okay with that. I, and, and I'm not, I'm like you, I'm not angry. Um, but I, I, we need to have this, this, this um, after action examination of what did we do and did it work in case we wind up with this situation again and this is the first thing i've seen that's been and and you know me I, i'm a big believer that numbers um help explain things they're not just positive but they help explain things and they help take some of the emotion out of the conversation and this study easy read right easy read they put they, they post, posted up as a working paper in the national bureau of economic research it's 15 double space pages takes you about 10 minutes to read. Um, and the jargon is enough, but not too much. I think this is going to be an important paper, right? And we're going to have something there. Matter of time, do we get something on face masks? Do we get something on, on social distancing? Do we get something on excess mortality and all this other stuff? But um, it's a good piece of work. It deserved more attention than it got. Um, well, and then, you know, uh, yeah, let's just leave it at that. I, I promised my, my, my beloved listeners that I would dial back the COVID stuff. So I'm going to keep my promise. I know. That's why I brought it up. 
last thing, and this is something we found out as we went to as we went to 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 tape this thing, right? Uh, Donald Rumsfeld died uh, today. Um, a a life of a life of accomplishment. A a he was eighty eight years old. A both a creator and creature of the American, the first American century, right, the, the 20th century. Um, an Eagle Scout, uh, a ranger at Belmont Scout Ranch, um, Princeton man, right, graduate of Princeton, Navy, um, active and then reserve, Secretary of Defense, not once but twice, Chief of Staff, Chief of Staff of the President of the United States, member of Congress, a, a, a consequential um, patriot. I did not always agree with Secretary Rumsfeld, but not once did I ever think that he wanted anything but the very best for the United States of America. And, um, and I don't, I, I would like it if upon, you know, upon the occasion of my death, if somebody said something like that about me, right? And it, it's the best thing you can say about somebody that, that they wished the best for their country and for their fellow countrymen and did what they thought was right and did it to the best of their ability. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to echo those fine words uh, uh, and well said. And I do, uh, I did, I had a paper copy packed to every whiteboard I owned in my career on the Hill and, and downtown. And I still have one in a file somewhere of Rumsfeld's rules. Remember those? Yep. So if I can track down an online version, I'm going to put those in the show notes as well. And I think that they're as relevant today, uh, you know, as they were when he pumped them out. Um, and, you know, uh, he didn't, uh, he, he left, you know, he left, he, he was the, you know, sort of the fall guy uh, with, with, with his last boss. But you know he didn't cry about it, and he went on. He went on his on his way, right? Yeah, he, was, he he went out gracefully. Um, he, was a, he was he was a legitimately. I, I, this this phrase gets used all the time. He was a great man, father, yeah. grandfather, great grandfather, and like you said, I never heard him complain once about any hand that he had been dealt. He he, remember him in your prayers, right? Because he 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 deserves it. So yeah, and you no doubt the. Uh, vitriol uh you know of people who don't who don't bother to read biographies will uh we'll, we'll talk about him in the same context that they do dick cheney who was a very uh, apparently very close friends i guess right yeah, they were and, and he brought cheney into the white house you know nobody nobody on twitter ever thinks they're going to die apparently so yeah yeah all right um well apropos clip of the day short and sweet uh a rather lighter hearted moment um i kind of got what he was saying but <laughs> i think people are going to remember this as soon as i start playing it here we go ladies and gentlemen reports that say there's that 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 something hasn't happened are always interesting to me because as we know there are known knowns there are things we know we know we also know there are known unknowns that is to say we know there's some things we do not know but there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap, folks. Episode number 43. Enjoy. Fair winds and following seas, Secretary. Hey!